every time, every time in my career, in my life, every time I've taken a risk, a big risk that didn't make any sense for like what you would do if you wanted to go be a CEO of a big company or something. Every time I've done that, it like paid off and ended up being immensely helpful. This is episode number 51 with Dick Costello. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, medical student and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. First of all, I would like to thank you all so much for filling out my survey last week. I really appreciate your feedback. It was great to hear what you had to say and especially who you'd most love to hear from here on the podcast. It gave me a lot of great ideas and I think you'll really enjoy some of the episodes that I have in store over the next few months. Speaking of which, this is a very exciting episode here that I had the privilege to record with former Twitter CEO Dick Costello when I was visiting the San Francisco area earlier this year. When I found out that he had been doing CrossFit for years and was now working on a digital fitness startup, I was very excited to speak with him. But when I also found out that he was a University of Michigan alum, I had to say I was even more excited. I highly recommend checking out his University of Michigan commencement address from 2013, which we reference here a bit in our conversation on the podcast. We caught up for a workout at CrossFit Marin, and then we sat down for this very interesting conversation about everything from growing up in Michigan to bringing CrossFit to Twitter to what he hopes to accomplish with his current startup. He also shares a very insightful tip at the end that I have since implemented in my own life and has had a very profound impact. A little bit more background on Dick before we get started. So he's currently the CEO of Chorus, which is a digital platform that's coming soon to reimagine the path to personal fitness. As I mentioned before, he also served as CEO of Twitter from 2010 to 2015, during which time the company grew from roughly 300 to 4,000 employees and revenue grew from next to nothing to $2 billion per year. Before his time at Twitter, Dick was CEO of FeedBurner, which was sold to Google in June of 2007. He was also an advisor on season three of HBO's Silicon Valley. And today, Dick lives with his family in Marin, California. Next, I'd just like to acknowledge the fact that we have finally reached our 50th episode here on Pursuing Health. So a huge thank you to all of you for listening and for your support. You can check out the 50th episode, which is also available today, and which compiles a number of my previous guest responses to the question, what does a healthy life look like to you? So I hope you enjoy it. Maybe think about your own answer to that question. And thank you again for all of your support in getting to this point. Before we get started, I have a few quick reminders. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a rating. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. If you're interested in training with me, check out my training programs through Beyond the Whiteboard at www dot beyond the whiteboard dot com forward slash Julie Fouché. Finally, please remember that although I'm nearing graduation from medical school, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So with that, let's get started here with episode number 51 of Pursuing Health featuring Dick Costello. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm super excited to be here with Dick Costolo. We just did a workout at the cave in California. So thank you for having me and thanks yeah. for coming on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, no, thanks for coming. It was fun. Everyone was psyched to have you here. Awesome. Well, it was hard, but what else hard. would I expect? Right. <laughs> if it wasn't hard, that would have been, that would have been a, you know, you would have been disappointed. Right, right. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Um, but I'm super excited that you're here and coming on the podcast. And I was ex- really excited to find out that you're from Michigan. So Detroit. Yes. Well, near Detroit. Near Detroit. Um, what were you like as a kid or what, what kind of things were you interested in? <laughs> uh, I didn't really work out much. I mean, I played sports, but just like intramural stuff, okay. you know, I didn't play like, I mostly didn't play team sports. Um, and I wasn't really athletic as a kid, you know, I was like, um, all the way through college, mm-hmm. you know, I was, studied most of the time, was a computer science major, didn't really, was doing like comedy and computer science, mm-hmm. I was doing no working out. Um, it's a good combo. Yeah. <laughs> didn't leave much room for <laughs> exercise. For exercise. Um, but where, what kind of sports did you like to play? Ba- I played basketball, but I was short, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, and not fast. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you at least you probably could play. I was short, and I could not catch or throw a ball, so that was pretty much yeah. out of the question I was for short me. and not fast, and I didn't have a great shot, so, okay. you know. But I liked it. But it was, it was fun. fun, yeah. yeah. That's good. And then at what point did you end up finding CrossFit or starting to make um, working so out more of a li- part of your life? Was, um, in 2001... A colleague of mine walked up to me, and I remember in March 2001, he walked mm-hmm. up to me and said, I'm going to do the Chicago Marathon this fall in October. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I'll do it with you. <laughs> he said, you don't run. I said, I'll start. <laughs> and no I problem. went out the next morning and went for a ra- run. I think I went like a third of a mile. Oh, wow. I mean, really, like a third of a mile. And then the next day, I was like, all right, I got to make it to the next stop sign. Okay. Uh, and I ran the Chicago Marathon that October wow. with this guy. And our goal was to break four hours. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to run like a nine-minute mile, three fifty, so would be, which would be like 3.56, I think, something like that. Okay. And we ran at like 4.02 or 4.01 or something like that. And, wow. you know, you could tell at like the 25-mile mark, like, ugh, 24-mile <laughs> mark maybe, like there's no way we're going to make it. Mm-hmm. And so the moment I finished, I was like, I got to do it again. I got to beat four hours. Mm-hmm. So I got to run it again next year. And I thought, well, next year I won't just run. I'll do... I'll do some weight training stuff. That was 2002. I ran the marathon again, and I finished it a lot faster, in like 3.45 or something. Um, and then 2004, 2005, I was trying to research some other cross-functional workouts, and I just found the CrossFit. Like, remember, at the time, it was just the, the that was WordPress early. blog. That was early, yeah, early, early. Uh, yeah. CrossFit.com was just the, a blog of the Daily Wads, mm-hmm. and I just started doing them wow. in my basement gym. Not even, you know, there was no CrossFit affiliate in Chicago. Right. Um, so that was my introduction to it. So you were one of the early ones. One of the original OGs. And OG's. were you posting your your times yeah, yeah, yeah. in the comments there's and all old, that stuff? There's old D. Costello posts in <laughs> 2004, 2005. I was doing like, you know, all the early like whatever I, whatever version of Fight Gone Bad. And, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't have a barbell in my basement. I had dumbbells. So I would do dumbbell thrusters for Fran. and. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, I'm doing it wrong because my, you know, the times that people are posting to the blog are like three minutes and mine were like <laughs> six minutes or something. I, was like, I must be doing something wrong. Right. And then, you know, you receive people's videos of it and you're like, oh no, I'm just not as in crazy <laughs> shape as they are. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. And so you've really seen it evolve yeah, over yeah, the yeah, years. Yeah, the whole, right. I was in, I was, I don't know, I should have like tracked down Glassman or something in 2004 and asked yeah. him to invest. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And so then at some point you joined an affiliate or how did your um, CrossFit evolve over the years? I didn't start working out at an affiliate till I came to San Francisco. When okay. I moved to San Francisco and started working at Twitter, um, at first I went to Lillane, which was one of the uh, CrossFits downtown in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then um, later on, moved over to San Francisco CrossFit, where uh, where I still work out with Roop there, um, okay. at Kelly Starrett's place. Okay. Um, and you know, have gotten to know Kelly and Juliet, and mm-hmm. they're awesome. Great people. Yes, they are. That's nice to have in your backyard, definitely. It is nice to have in my backyard, especially with all their mobility work. Right. Right. And then you also eventually then brought CrossFit into Twitter once you I did. Yeah. Started um, work there. So we opened a gym in the in the. At first, we were doing it at one of the big, we sort of, you know, took one of the big conference rooms on the engineering floor and made it a gym. Okay. And then, of course, that was driving all the software engineers crazy because the weights are banging on the, you know, dropping weights right. on the floor and making a ton of noise. Um, so we built out a gym on another floor of the building, took, got a little space and built out a gym. And mm-hmm. we're doing 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m. CrossFit workouts there. And everyone got really into it. I mean, they were mm-hmm. packed. Um and, you know, the cool thing about it is when you're working at a big company, um, especially in something like tech, the software engineers and, like, the salespeople and the accounting people, like, they mm-hmm. never see each other. Right. You know, I have people who are in sales and people who are in engineering who didn't even know that they existed. those people yeah. worked at the same company. Right. Um, and what do you guys do, you know? Um, but in CrossFit classes, you'd have everybody there, mm-hmm. you know, it was me and people from sales finance and accounting and mm-hmm. engineering and on and on. Um, so I was always thought that was really cool. Um, it was the one place in the company where everyone was on the same play- playing field and mm-hmm. there was all the status was removed and it mm-hmm. wasn't about, you know, um, it, except for... Uh, one of my engineers who works for you now, my new company, mm-hmm. Katie, who is here today. Uh-huh. Um, Katie always used to tell me, you know, your squat depth is horrible, <laughs> but no one wants to tell you because you're the CEO. <laughs> so whenever you ask people how your squat right. depth is, and they say it's great, oh, it looks it's great. really horrible. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, good. Well, you told me, so right. now you can. I'll be. You'll be the one I ask. Okay. Um, but it was. But other than that, it was a great <laughs> place for all the statuses removed and. Right. Um, people get to know like, oh, there are smart people and cool people working in engineering just Mm -hmm. like there are in uh, sales and they're all working hard and on interesting things. Mm -hmm. So I always thought that was great. Um, And I always thought that a bunch of the people in those classes were some of the more, you know, they were some of the more resilient people in the company. I mean, Mm -hmm. one thing that people who have done CrossFit a lot know is it teaches you mental toughness and resilience, you know, like I'm a quarter of the way through this thing that's horrible and I just (laughs) got to keep going. Um, and that's a great, uh, you know, lesson for everyday life. There's lots right. of things that you get in the middle of that just like, God, this is miserable. Like, all right, like there's the end zone. We yep. got to just keep going. Just um, one more rep at a time. One more rep, one, one at a time. And I, th- again, I thought those were some of the most resilient people in the company. Absolutely. Was that something that you anticipated when you started or built the gym was that it would have such an impact on helping people get to know each other or is that just something that happened? It's just something that happened. The thing that I anticipated and knew about um, CrossFit um, was that um, it built mental, I thought, I knew it built mental toughness Mm -hmm. and I knew it built um, just higher energy levels. I Mm -hmm. mean, for me personally, being, you know, I mean, I was late 40s, early 50s when I was working at, well, now and Mm -hmm. when I was at Twitter, um, and it's all 20 somethings there, you yeah. know, and like, 
you got to have an energy level to keep up with <laughs> and work in 80 hour weeks to keep up with that, those mm-hmm. people. And uh, that gave it to me, you know, I never felt run down. Mm-hmm. I never felt like I'm out of gas. I got to, you know, take a break for end days or end weeks. I just never felt like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew that it gave me that and would give other people that. And so I knew those things. I didn't think about the um, camaraderie and the community that would build mm-hmm. across boundaries that otherwise wouldn't get to know each other. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. What was it like for you then to be CEO and be there working out with people and you're in a vulnerable position, you're on the floor after a workout, you're struggling with a new movement, you know, with all these people who kind of put you up on a pedestal. Yeah. Well, that was what I thought was so great about it. Yeah. Um, Aside from people not telling me my squat depth was horrible, <laughs> right. it allowed these people to like feel like they could talk to me, you know? Right. I remember, um, you know, especially as a company gets bigger and bigger, when I first took over as CEO there in 2010, there were only like 100 and, 160 people at the company. And mm-hmm. I maybe got there a year before when there were 50 people at the company. Mm-hmm. So everybody knew each other. When I took over as CEO, everybody in the company knew each other. And those people all knew they could talk to me. Mm-hmm. But a couple of years later, you're a couple thousand people. And the new people coming in are like, that person over there who's right. way up there is the CEO <laughs> and don't talk to, you know, you shouldn't right. talk to them. Right. Um, I got on the elevator one morning in 2012 and a Monday morning, and that's when we like new people would start on Monday mm-hmm. morning. So the elevators are really crowded going up at 830 because mm-hmm. we have this big new higher orientation from everybody around the world who's starting that day. Okay. And I'm on the elevator going up and, you know, the elevator's always quiet. No one's talking. I hear this person across the elevator go, like, whisper, that's the CEO. <laughs> you know, and I looked across like, and I said, I can hear I'm you. right here, you know. <laughs> I'm not projected up on a screen. Hi, I'm Dick. <laughs> um, and I was got to my desk and I was like, wow. Like, <laughs> I got to figure out how to make sure people know they can talk to me, you yeah. know, and tell me things because you want people to tell you the truth. Right. Otherwise, the bad news gets mm-hmm. buried or hidden. Um, and the great thing about the CrossFit classes was those people all knew they could talk to me, Right. you know, like they're seeing me grind through something just the way they are probably a lot worse. Um, and you know, they're giving me a hard time sometimes about something like, you know, Hey, I beat you on, you know, I don't know, max reps, pull ups or Mm -hmm. something. And, um, so those people all knew they could talk to me. There was Mm -hmm. a much, much less of a status barrier between us. Okay. Was there anything else cool that came out of that or some ideas that came out of people talking in that environment that ended up having an impact on the company? Um, I would just say, generally speaking, um, that sense of community mm-hmm. and um, and then we tried to instill that in other areas of the company. Mm-hmm. We were always trying to figure out what are other things we can do to get that cross-pollination between teams because mm-hmm. when those teams aren't talking to each other, you get a lot of... Um, um, you get a lot of like, what the hell do those people do all day? Mm. Like, I know what me and the people in my group right. do all day, but what do those people do all day? Right. Um, just because they don't know any of those people or what they do. And they think that, you know, we have to work really hard to do X, but that just happens. Right. They're just know? sitting over there yeah, having a good time. they're just sitting over there <laughs> having a good time. Um, by the way, they think about each other, you know? Right. Um, so uh, I tried to do things in the company that um, mimicked or mirrored the kinds of community and cross pollination of ideas and reality that mm-hmm. the CrossFit classes had. Um, and it was hard to do it in other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, fitness and exercise was a place that was just sort of, um, a natural for it. Um, everywhere else we tried it, it kind of felt forced. Mm-hmm. 
How do you see a CrossFit in the corporate setting or just corporate wellness in general evolving or what role do you think it plays now? Um, I think that um, more and more CEOs are realizing and understand that um, the healthier and more fit their employees are, the more productive they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, at our new company, Chorus, there's only 12 of us now. Um, it's funny going from managing 4,000 people to 12 people. But, <laughs> Very different. Um, you know, I tell, I, I tell and repeat regularly to everybody, whenever you, any hour you want to leave the office during the day, whether it's, you know, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 2 mm -hmm. p.m., 3 p.m., to go exercise, um, do it. That's time well spent. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to be more productive throughout the week. You're going to be generally healthier. You're going to have more mental energy, more emotional energy. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to, you know, like no one here is ever going to ding you for like, where are you going you right. know, at three o'clock? We have work to do. Um, and I think that more and more executives are realizing the healthier my team is, the more energetic they're going to be mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, mentally. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing, just talking to Katie while we were working out or warming up, saying that seeing you go work out felt like she had more permission to actually go work out yeah. or go at 445 to get her workout in and not feel like she was leaving work early right. or, you know, slacking That's off right. in any way. Yeah, I think that there's, I mean, look, if you have um, type A personality people working for you, and, mm -hmm. and I do, they, they are all kind of like, all right, you know, I have to put in my time and work as hard as I can and we got to get this thing done. Right. And so you really have to show them it's okay to go exercise because that's going to pay off down the road. So yeah. don't freak out about taking an hour to go work out. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I want to keep on um, exhibiting that behavior for people. And I think generally speaking, more and more CEOs are recognizing that that's true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think you see it popping up. Okay. I want to talk next about your commencement speech at U of M because unfortunately I graduated in 2011, so I didn't oh, hear it live, bummer. but I have watched it and it was really, really powerful to me. Um, and I, actually have I'm going to grab right here because there's right. a couple excerpts that I wanted to read from it it's one of my favorite things I ever did really give that speech while you're pulling up the excerpts I'll tell you a quick funny story about it okay so the woman who was president of the university at the time Mary Sue Coleman mm -hmm. um, Mary Sue's you know like my mom and Mary Sue are both like five foot one. Okay. Five foot two. <laughs> so um, is my mom. <laughs> and so Mary Sue's, we're standing in the football tunnel to go out. And, and so Michigan Stadium is this huge stadium, over 100,000 seats. And for commencement, it's literally half the stadium's mm -hmm. full. There's 5,000 graduates in the middle and then another sort of 40,000 people in half the stadium. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm in the tunnel getting ready to go out and I'm nervous, you know, I'm about to give this speech yeah. to about 45,000 people. And Mary Sue casually turns around to me and says, so have you ever spoken in front of this many people before? <laughs> and I just sort of burst, I burst out laughing and I was like, like, when would I have spoken in front of this many people before? During the invasion of Normandy? Like, I was like, no. By the way, nobody's spoken in front right. of this many people before except you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and that kind of like, the great thing about that was I started laughing and it kind of Wasn't nervous, eyes, after, yeah. ner wasn't nervous after that. <laughs> well, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, really powerful to me. And then a couple just lines I wanted to read from it. These really stuck out to me. So you said that you're talking about the impact that you have in your life. And you said the impact is what others frame for you in the world after it happens. And the present is only what you're experiencing and focused on right now. 
you cannot draw the path looking forward or you cannot draw that path looking forward. You have to figure out what you love to do, what you have conviction about, and then go do that. And when you're doing what you love to do, you become resilient because that's the habit you've created for yourself. Create a habit of taking chances on yourself and making bold choices in service to doing what you love. And that for me was really, really powerful because because now I'm six years out from graduating and I can see the ways in which taking those bold choices or following my passions has then created a path that I never thought would happen right. for myself. Right. And so you can really start to see it play out. Yeah. I, I'll tell you why I said that. Um, I was watching these other commencement speeches just to kind of, you know, think about what I wanted to say mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, get inspiration for it. And I kept on seeing these, you know, speakers say, you know, go out there and make an impact right. in the world. And I was like, the problem with telling people that is, you, as I said, you often don't realize you're making an, making an impact while you're doing it. Right. You know, so like when you tell someone to go make an impact, you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> like, which of these things is going to make an impact? Right. I mean, at Twitter, there are a bunch of things that we only realized made an impact. Like when we looked back on them two years later, mm -hmm. we didn't realize while we were doing them that this is going to have this amazing impact. And so what I meant by that was you have to, you know, do what you love because when you're doing what you love, you become resilient and that will create this path that you'll look back on and realize mm -hmm. made an impact. Um, and that's the only way you can really think about living your life. If you try to think about um, what am I supposed to do mm -hmm. to make an impact, um, you're going to, you know, you're going to end up frozen on the stage of your own life when things go wrong as they inevitably do right, right. Uh, because you'll be like, well, now what am I supposed to do? And the reality is you're not supposed to do anything. You have to do what you love. Right. It's so true. And it places, I think, so much unnecessary pressure on ourselves when we yeah. say, oh, but I have That's to right. make my life meaningful and I have to make a big impact. But if you're so focused on that, then you're not focused on, like you talk about being That's in the right. moment. That's which right. Yep. Yeah. I, I remember you know, along the same lines, and I said this in the speech as well, you know, the problem is when you've done really well in school and then you've gone to this great school like Michigan and you've gotten good grades and you kind of have gotten there because you kept on meeting and exceeding expectations. Mm -hmm. And now on graduation day, there are no more expectations. Right. So some people get into this, well, now what am I supposed to do? Right. Okay, I'll go do that. And that's, a, you know, not a fun way to live your life. Absolutely. And I see that, I mean, I'm grateful my path has deviated a little bit, but I see that so much in medicine because it's just a continuation of the school and the step-by-step, -step, right. this is what you do next, this is what you do next, and right. you have to make small decisions along the way, but for the most part, your path is laid out for you. Right. And so by the time you finally get to that point, you realize, okay, why am I really doing this? Yeah. Or what do I really, really care about? Um, and it's, you know, it's such a long road. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I think another way I've seen that play out in my life where you talked a lot about just taking those bold choices and I don't think it's the scary choices it's doing the things that scare you they're things that maybe don't make sense according That's to right. the path and I've seen that obviously with CrossFit um, never seeing where my path would go yeah. with that and then realizing later on I think I was the last one to realize that my <laughs> what I was doing in CrossFit and what I was doing in medicine actually could come together and help my you know direct me towards my future but eventually I got there yeah. with the help of other people um, every time every time in my career in my life every time I've taken a risk 
a big risk that didn't make any sense for like what you would do if you wanted to go be a CEO of a big company or mm-hmm. something. Every time I've done that, it like paid off and ended up being immensely helpful. You mm-hmm. know, and I graduated from Michigan. I had these offers to go be a computer programmer somewhere and make a bunch of money. And I, you know, it declined them all and went to Chicago uh, to try to get into Second City. Oh, I turned down all these off job offers to go to Chicago and do improv comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that served me well and better than probably any job I would have had uh, straight out of college when I was CEO of Twitter and having to be able to um, be in the moment mm-hmm. and be able to um, um, adapt to what was happening right now and be calm and uh, comfortable speaking in front of hundreds or thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was, you know, one of the best decisions I ever made. So you just can't worry about like trying to, con- you know, and Steve Jobs said this in his commencement speech at Stanford. You can't worry about trying to connect the dots looking forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it only makes sense when you sort of look over your shoulder. So true. And it's so funny the ways that those things from the past come back right. and help you out in the future. So true. So I want to talk about that then from your advice in that commencement speech and how that played into your decision then to leave Twitter and then what you're doing now with Chorus. Yeah, so w- in 2000, end of 2014, well, this is kind of a longer story, but the short version of it is mm-hmm. in end of 2014, when we moved out to San Francisco and I started working at Twitter, my daughter was in sixth grade and she was going, in 2015, she was going to be uh, finishing up her senior year in, in uh high school and then going to college. Mm-hmm. And I just told the board after I'd been there, I'd been there for what would have been six years. Um, what would it be six years in 2015? Hey, next year is my last year. Mm-hmm. Like I got to spend some time with my daughter before she's gone, uh, off to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen her. You know, I mean, I really like, I missed all the dance recitals. I missed the birthday parties. Right. I'm, I was like <laughs> out, um, uh, from sixth grade to uh, mm-hmm. senior in high school. So it's like, I'm not missing the last like nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, you know, I've been doing this for a bit, took it from $0 in revenue to, um, to almost $2 billion in revenue and on and on and on. So it was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have any other plans for what I was going to do next other than hang out with family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that um, and traveled around a lot and traveled with the family and went all over the place, um, all over the world. Um and then with my daughter going off to Michigan um, uh, just this past fall, uh, um, uh, started this new company, Chorus, mm-hmm. which is essentially, um, as I looked at the landscape of digital fitness, like mm-hmm. all these fitness apps that are out there, and there are hundreds of them, mm-hmm. um, all of them were like a personal training program for you, or um, here's a workout for you, or here's a body weight workout and a strength training workout and a running workout. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of them had what I felt were the, and as we've already talked about, mm-hmm. um, the things that make uh, um, fitness and behavior change of any type toward a healthy life possible, mm-hmm. which is social accountability and social triggers and social motivation. Right. One of the best things about a CrossFit class, or it doesn't have to be CrossFit, it could be SoulCycle, it could be um, Weight Watchers, any of these things are is this notion that like we're all in this in this intimate little uh, group that's yeah. doing this together gonna gonna do this together? Mm-hmm. You know, you would never be in the middle of uh, a wad that we were just doing and say, "I'm gonna just stop now for ten minutes and watch you guys because mm-hmm. I don't like doing this part. Right? You know, I don't like wall ball, so I'm not. I'm just gonna sit like down <laughs> now and wait till you're done with that, and that'll do. Then you just wouldn't. You just right. do it. You know, or you do some scaled version of it. Um, 
And I think that all these digital fitness platforms miss that small, intimate teams of people connected to each other, Mm -hmm. uh, holding each other accountable to doing what they need to do. Uh, So that's what the idea behind Chorus is, and that's what we're building. And uh, we should have a bait out in six to eight weeks or so. It's taking longer than we wanted, but we're trying Mm -hmm. to trying to get it right. Okay. Um, And what was it? How did you know that that was the next thing that you should be spending Um, your time on or putting your effort into? Because I. I had tried all these digital fitness platforms mm-hmm. when I left Twitter and didn't have, I didn't feel like I had a regular um, team anymore okay. that I could work out with. You right. know, I kind of, there were, there were, I did a couple different classes at Twitter. Um, so I developed sort of a habit of being with a certain group of people kind of yep. regularly. Yep. And um, when I didn't have that anymore, I just, I looked for it online and couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. I just was like, this is weird. And there are certainly social fitness platforms, um, but they tend to follow the Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest follower model. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I follow these people on this fitness platform and I see what they did and mm-hmm. I can thumbs up that thing. But that's not the same as these tight knit intimate communities mm-hmm. that all hold each other accountable together in a right. class. Um, because, uh, let's say I go for a run on Sunday and in my little fitness app for running, mm-hmm. uh, someone sees that and they thumbs up my run on Sunday. On Wednesday, when I don't do anything, no one gets notified that Dick didn't do right. what he was supposed to do. Right. Um, and there's no one that, you know, and there's not some team there to say like, hey, come on, there's five hours left. It's raining, but right. you know, you're supposed to run 5k today. You have 10, you know, you have five hours of daylight left. Right. Um, do it. And or nor are there any apps that really have the kind of motivational cues or triggers or little uh, social accountability team things um, that help you do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we break promises to ourselves all the time, mm-hmm. uh, far more than we would break a promise to someone we just met. Right. You know, like you and I have just met. But uh, if I tell myself I'm going to go for a run tomorrow and I wake up tomorrow and it's pouring rain like this. I'm going to hit the snooze button. Yeah. If I tell you I'm going to pick you up at seven and we'll go for a run, yep. I'm going to wake up when it's raining and go, ah, I got to go pick up Julie and go for a run. Yep. So we're trying to build that out digitally. I'm going to recreate that digitally. That's amazing. It's something I noticed too. I mean, even now in CrossFit, we, I do a training program and I find myself so much more accountable, even though I'm working out a lot of times by myself. Right. I know that there's this group of a hundred or so other people who are looking to me to post my score every day. And because of that, a lot of times that's the sole reason why I start, why I go to the gym. Yep. No, I, yeah. So all of that stuff that works about Mm -hmm. that intimate group of people and knowing that like, there's a team counting on me to do this and, and also knowing that, um, you know, one of the great things about those communities is that um, it's just as helpful to me when I'm helping other people in the community. Mm-hmm. That's also a motivator. It re-energizes me. Right. Um, so that giving back in that team environment mm-hmm. uh, is another motivator for me. And so all that stuff um, mm-hmm. that exists in these real world communities, uh, we're going to bring to the digital fitness platforms. I love that. And I, I think, too it's one of the ways of capturing the power of social media for a good purpose. And there's so many, I think now (laughs) I see myself falling into these habits of, of like doing using social media or getting caught up on social media and wasting time or doing things that I didn't necessarily are not necessarily productive when I'm like, Oh, I could be using harnessing this power (laughs) and actually working out or holding myself accountable or other people accountable for things. How long have I been flipping through these photos? (laughs) Right. Hours. (laughs) Right. So that's really exciting. I think 
I'm excited to see when it comes out and what you guys are doing. No, I'm psyched about it. You know, there's also a lot of, um, I don't know, there's just a bunch of, I feel like we're going to hopefully solve a bunch of these problems. Um, There's also a discoverability problem with these fitness platforms. Mm -hmm. Like there's 9,000 body weight workout plans and you're like, which one of these is like an authority, high authority one. Right. Or now January, there's a million and one January fitness challenges. So, right. Exactly. So true. So true. So how is your day-to-day life different now that you're working in a startup setting again? Um, well, the benefit from going from running Twitter to running Chorus mm-hmm. um, and going from a 4,000-person public company uh, with billions of dollars in revenue and 50 offices around the world to 12 people in one small office with a pre-launch product is I'm working I'm spending all my time working on the product. Mm-hmm. Um, a CEO of Twitter, you're not spending as much time as you would like um, on, um, at least I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe that's you know my problem. Uh, on the product, you're working on all these other things, um, whether it's um, quarterly earnings and um, uh, revenue goals and you know HR issues and. Um, oh, hey, we're blocked in this country now and we've got to go deal with this political issue in this country to get unblocked and on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're switching context all the time from like uh, thinking about this to thinking about that. Um, and at Chorus, I really get to, you know, spend long chunks of time mm-hmm. thinking about product strategy and um, product design and where do we want to be with the product at these different stages of the company's life. So mm-hmm. that's a lot more it's a lot more fun to go back to that um, world. At some point, we'll have lots of users and they'll have complaints and say we're doing everything wrong and <laughs> finally bugs and then we'll have to worry about all these other things again. But now, for now, I get to go back to thinking about product strategy and product design for long periods of time. That's awesome. Do you have a regular daily schedule? I have. Um, I work out in the afternoons. Okay. Um, I don't love working out in the mornings. Um, because for two reasons, mm-hmm. one, I've kind of gone to this, um, intermittent fasting eating between mm. noon and mm-hmm. 8 PM. Um, uh, so I like to work out after I've uh, not on a completely empty stomach. Right. Um, and just that, that 12 to eight intermittent fasting for me, um, works because I can kind of eat whatever I want for lunch and eat whatever I want for dinner mm-hmm. and don't have to feel like, you know, I've got to watch my portions or stuff like mm-hmm. that. Have um, you noticed a IF. difference from doing that? I have that? totally noticed a difference. Um, I have way more energy. Okay. Um, I don't, after the first week of, you know, getting to a 10 or at 10 or 10 30 or 11 AM and being like super hungry right. after the first week, I don't notice that at all anymore. I'm going to drink black coffee in the morning, but mm-hmm. you know, no calories. Um, so that coupled with being over 50 years old and I wake up in the morning, I'm super tight. <laughs> um, working out in the afternoon is just, it's easier for me to get mobilized right. and ready to go. Um, and I do different stuff. I do, you know, CrossFit three times a week. I try to box, uh, once a week now mm-hmm. and then, um, uh, sort of a one strength training thing a week. And then on the sixth day, I'll, on the sixth day, I'll, I'll do a long mountain bike ride if it's not pouring rain like it is today. Oh, very nice. So a bunch of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Very good. And you do the intermittent fasting every day for 12 yep, to eight. Every day. Okay. Yeah. Um, if I know I'm going to be out to dinner, like, you know, I don't know, I've got some work dinner thing mm-hmm. that's at 7.30. I'll move it to like 2 to 9 or something, but mm-hmm. almost always 12 to 8. Okay. I don't really, 
you don't even, I don't even think of it or notice it anymore as like, uh, you know, I'm not eating for 16 hours. It just doesn't, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like that anymore. So it's definitely one of, it's definitely a, a program that, that works great for me. Yeah. I've, um, I've been hearing actually a lot of my guests lately have been doing it or yeah. talking about it. I've done it a little, I usually do it like two days a week, mm-hmm. but the research behind it is fantastic. It's, so, it's easy to do. Yeah. It's easier than like, you know, it's just easier. Mm-hmm. You, you're always, you're never like completely starving. You mm-hmm. can work out with it. As like I say, I work out in the afternoons, but I know plenty of people who do it and still work out in the morning and they're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's working for me and it's, I've got tons of energy with it. Awesome. I want to backtrack one more question about chorus or about fitness apps in general, myself being in medicine and obviously lifestyle is a huge problem that we have and it's contributing to our healthcare problems. What role do you see for technology and apps like this in healthcare? I think it's not there yet, but I think the cool thing about the wearables will be um, when they start to deliver actionable now what feedback. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not meaning to denigrate any of these things, but if you know how many steps you walked, um, for n weeks you're mm-hmm. like okay i don't like okay mm-hmm. so not now so i get a what? discount on my insurance well, so what? and yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what to what do else? with that like what do i now what um and um and you kind of see that in the use patterns of them people you know they churn out they mm-hmm. churn out of them a lot um but when you've got i'm just trying a bunch of these different things out i've got mm-hmm. one on now a new one on now when you've got like heart rate variability and, you know, some, a bunch more signals about your, um, nervous system and recovery and, um, and, you know, things like when, when healthcare um, professionals start to know things like your blood pressure while you're asleep, right. Instead of just your blood pressure once a year, when you're in the doctor's office, um, there, they will be able to provide all sorts of now what, Mm -hmm. um, actionable feedback, um, and to the extent we can integrate those into these um, fitness platforms, that'll be great. Mm-hmm. Um, it means there needs to be a sort of universal API, universal um, programming interface to all mm-hmm. these wearables. I know Apple's trying to do that with HealthKit, but um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, and the wearables are probably really um, two more generations, so maybe three years away from mm-hmm. really being like okay, this plus the, um, what I'm doing every day is now providing a really ongoing, um, great, uh, level of detail that I can kick to my doctor, mm-hmm. um, and get some now what, uh, feedback. I think, I think it feels that way to me mm-hmm. just from the kind of state of the union on these things. They're mm-hmm. still not totally accurate. Um, and they kind of give you, you know, one piece of information, but not this other important piece. Um, and you want it kind of all in one place. Right. Yeah. It will be interesting to see how it evolves over the next few years and hopefully will also help people stay motivated and make some, some changes that will have an impact on their health. Yeah. I think the other cool thing will be, you know, there's a lot, uh, we'll, we'll start to know a lot more about, um, you know, it'll stop being one size fits all diet plans and it'll be like, Oh, for you, as you can see from this data, uh, combining your workout, um, results with what this uh tracking is saying about mm-hmm. you while you're sleeping it's much better if you eat around this time of day and eat these kinds of things and right. so i feel like we're like 
two iterations kind of two 18 month cycles away mm -hmm. from that it's exciting it is yeah well i mean it'll be it will really make it look you know we'll look back on going to the doctor and like they took your blood pressure mm -hmm. once a year as like well how the hell did they right. know what to say how when archaic, they only took it at yeah. one <laughs> one exception point during the year when you were nervous right um yeah well it will seem totally archaic so true well, I want to close with three questions I ask everyone on the right. podcast. So the first one is three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. For sure, for sure, regular exercise. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, um, I don't look at my phone at night um, after, you know, depending on the night, um, let's say. Uh, two hours before I go to bed or so. Okay. I don't like have my phone by, 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 bed on, by, my, by my bed on. And the way I deal with that mm -hmm. to avoid like text messages or push notifications from Twitter right. or Instagram right. or something is I just put it in airplane mode. Okay. So I'll still use it as my morning alarm and everything else, but I put my phone in airplane mode a couple hours before I go to bed. It's like one of the best things I've ever done. That's a great trick. I haven't so, actually heard that one so before. I can still, I still have it. Yeah. It doesn't buzz, so I don't pick it up and look at it. Right. When it buzzes or the red light goes off, you're just like, I gotta, I gotta look. Like there's something important. <laughs> I have to look. <laughs> so I just put it in airplane mode. Oh, um, that's great. A couple hours before I go to bed, for sure. Um, and then I'd have to say the third is um, not doing, um, like not feeling like email is a to-do list for mm -hmm. me. So. Uh, let me be more specific about what I mean by that. I used to feel like if I get these emails, I have to like respond to all of them and clear them out. Mm -hmm. It's like a to-do list for me. Right. Um, and I and I got better at it, but really slowly. And now I don't think about it that way at all. Like these are other things that people have just, it's like the US mail. Mm -hmm. These things have been sent to me. I don't have to respond to this flyer I randomly got mm -hmm. and say, no, I don't want any of these things. You right. know, it's just like, it's right. not, that's your to-do, not my to-do. Mm -hmm. um, and thinking about email that way is just, you know, liberating and relaxing and de-stressing. So those three things have been made, all make a difference in my day-to-day -day life. Well, that makes me feel a lot better about yeah. my email situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what do you do then for, you said about two hours before bed, your phone is off. Do you have... Something that you do at night to wind down or read and I watch a ton of like I watch a ton of um you know, I'll watch a ton of like T V. We have Amazon Prime and mm -hmm. Netflix and HBO. We watch all the all so the everything. <laughs> all the shows. I'm on The Man in the High Castle now on Amazon Prime. So Oh, very good. Um, after after Westworld wrapped up. Um so a lot of T V but I also read a lot, a lot of fiction. Okay. Favorite book? I don't have a favorite book. Although let's see. Um um uh, there's a bunch. I mean, Let the Great World Spin by Colin McCann is a great, uh, is a, is a, f a favorite novel mm -hmm. of mine. Um, I'm just reading Ann Patchett's Commonwealth now, so also Very good. good. Very good. What about one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you just have a hard time implementing it? Med meditation, mm -hmm. for sure. Yep. I, I know from doing it, you know, a couple times that it's calming for me and, mm -hmm. and centering is, if I guess the way I would put it, like it really helps me focus. Um, and I just don't do it and I don't know why mm -hmm. I've just never made it a habit. Um, I need to, I need to do the things that, um, will help me make that a habit. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I know if I I know if I did it, it would be helpful to me, and I just don't. Fair enough. <laughs> My last question is: What does a healthy life look like to you? Um. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll say I'll I'll add a couple things other than the sort of obvious mm-hmm. eating right and exercising. I think that um, I think that travel of any type is is probably not even well enough understood in how much it contributes to a healthy life. Hmm. When you get out of the the place that you're in every day, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be travel to the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. It can be travel into the, you know, mountains across Mount, you know, the Mount, Mount Tam right behind us mm-hmm. um, and camping over there for a couple of days. Um, those experiences of getting out of the routine and going into a different, completely different physical space mm-hmm. um, where things are different, and the more I think more different physically, whether it's terrain or language or weather, mm-hmm. the better, like all that stuff is energizing. And I think that um, I think that we probably don't even yet understand how energizing and how revitalizing travel is as part of living a healthy life. Hmm. I love that. Do you have a favorite place that you've been or a favorite trip? Uh, Yes, because it one because it was recent. It was one of those big trips I mm-hmm. took with my daughter and the whole family actually mm-hmm. um, when I had time to do it. So we went to Africa, Kenya for three weeks. Again, oh, wow. this is a thing I could have never done when I'm uh, have a full time job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know we're out in the middle of the uh, a bunch of different um, uh, game reserves in Kenya on safari like Masamara and others. And then just, you know, being in the animal space, Mm -hmm. you know, you're in the cage, you're, you're (laughs) in the cage, you're in a, in a Jeep, you know, um, it's an open air Jeep, but, but you're not getting out of the Jeep and running around (laughs) in the Mara, right? You're in the, you're in the Jeep and you're not getting out Mm -hmm. and they're roaming around wherever they want to roam around. And that was like a transformative experience. I mean, seeing these animals that are like, you know, I remember we went, um, in the winter just before New Year's back here just before New Year's. Um, and you're like seeing these animals that, you know, you're out on these night, you know, you're out on these night uh, safaris with the lights mm-hmm. um, and seeing jackals and hyenas and everything. And just seeing these animals that like, I have to survive between dusk and dawn, <laughs> you know, and not get eaten by a lion. Like that's real. Those are real so problems, real, yeah. right? <laughs> that's like life. Uh, and then I remember coming back and, you know, the news in San Francisco was like, Uber's, you know, surcharge on New Year's <laughs> Eve was egregiously high and they should be in, you know, and I was like, wow, our problems are so trivial here. It's like, you know. A very different So that world. was a great, like, great mental reset on, you know, when you have to worry about getting from right. dusk to dawn without getting eaten, those are real problems. Puts things in perspective. Yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking yeah, with thanks me. thanks for having this me. This was wonderful. It was great. And we all look forward to using chorus yeah, and seeing what you come both. up with. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. I had such a blast sitting down with Dick and was just trying to absorb as much knowledge and experience as I could from our conversation. A question I have for you, if you could think about your answer and answer this in the blog post on my website, juliefouché.com. I'd like you to tell me about a time that you took a risk and then later had some unexpected positive effects. I think it was interesting to hear about how this happened in Dick's life. I've seen it happen in my own life. So let me know how you see it happening in your life too. 
To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com, where you can subscribe to my email list. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please email me at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on the podcast in future episodes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget you can train with me by visiting beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché. I always love hearing your feedback, so please leave comments under this post on my website, juliefouché.com, and share your thoughts on social media with the hashtag JFHealth. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. Pursuing Health.